Every ministry leader carries the identity of servant, and any leader who begins to think of himself in a different way is in spiritual danger and has abandoned the true character of his calling. Yeah, you're dangerous. Uh, you're dangerous to to the people around you, the people that you've called been called to minister to, the ministry that you're leading. But also, it's danger. It's spiritually dangerous for you, your soul. You are listening to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast with Pastors Eric Powers, Joel Scoggins, and Justin Mucka. Joined by Sam Connor as we talk through Lead by Paul David Tripp. Today, we talk about servants. The gospel principle is a call to leadership in the church is a call to a life of willing sacrifice and service. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Church of Grace Point Leadership Podcast, Episode 7. Episode 7. All the guys are here. I'm Eric Powers. I'm joined by Joel Scoggins, Justin Mucka, and Sam Connor. Uh, We have a great episode for you this week. I think we say that every week, but this week is going to be great. (laughs) Right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Before we dive into this chapter, I do want to encourage everyone to join the conversation. You don't have to have the book to be a part of the conversation. You can email us at podcast at gracepoint.church. You can join the conversation by asking questions, give us some feedback, or even discuss something that we talk about on the show. Maybe we said something that just uh, just fell on your mind and you you just can't stop thinking about it and you just want to talk to us about it. So uh, email us, please. Uh, we would really love to hear from you. Uh, also, we do ask that you would share the podcast, help us spread the word and get this podcast out to more people. Subscribe and share uh, to people in your life that you believe could benefit from a podcast like this um and so boys uh, we're just going to kind of jump into this thing uh we don't really have a good intro uh we're just going to jump into it so let's get after it. you you guys ready let's go yeah. Yeah. all right cool chapter seven uh is uh servants is the word that we're going to be talking about today servants uh and the gospel principle is this a call to leadership in the church is a call to a life of willing sacrifice and service a call to leadership in the church is a call to a life of willing sacrifice and service the very first words in this chapter says it's a biblical theme. Um, and so I think we can start right there with that, that being a servant is a biblical theme. If you're a follower of Christ, uh, it doesn't mean that you get to, to put yourself above everybody else. It means that you've, you've walked into this, this, uh, this attitude, this place where you are going to be a servant for the rest of your life. Um, and so it's something that we need to study. It's something that we need to teach. It needs to be brought to our memory again and again and again, because, uh, we need to remind ourselves that we are, we're here to serve people. We're here to love people. We're here to follow the example that Jesus gave to us. And that example was service, right? The first thing that I have underlined is, uh, it says this, the most often used term for spiritual leader in scripture is servant. And so when he describes spiritual leaders inside of scripture, when when spiritual leaders are described in scripture to us, they are described as servants. And, and so it doesn't change with our time, day and time. It doesn't change with what we're doing now in our lives and in our ministries. And as leaders in today's world, uh, we are still supposed to be servants, bottom line, uh, top of the line, all around the line. Like that's that's what we are here to do is to be servants, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at the life of Jesus, you know, the life of Paul, the way they serve. I mean, it's 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 uncanny how we can get this wrong. Uh, even if 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 you're even reading the Bible at all, if you're even praying, then you see the model that's that's before you. You see Jesus going out of his way to serve the least of these. Uh, you see. 
Paul writing these these letters and just talking about how important you know the 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 idea of, of serving is. So yeah, I mean it's just it's 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 obvious. Mm-hmm. I mean when when he when he says it's a biblical theme, it's one of those things that you're kind of like, well, duh. But then we still get it wrong. Yeah, there's some intentionality that has to go yeah. into it. Yeah, uh, like I'm 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 a servant, sure, but what am I actually doing to serve people? Exactly. Like I can call myself a servant all day, but am I actually serving people? Am I actually sacrificing? I think with service, we're going to talk about this. With service comes sacrifice and and suffering, and so uh, are those things a part of my life? And so I, I think it's a picture that for us, if we're if we're if we're growing leaders, if we are building leaders and create leaders because I, I do believe that leaders aren't born, they're created, right? I, that's, a, that's a famous saying from a, a, a leader that I listen to pretty pretty regularly on his podcast that he says, you know, leaders aren't born, they're made, uh, they're created. Uh, I like that. It's, it's so true. And so if we're going to create leaders, if we're going to make leaders, if we're going to disciple people, it's, it's a picture that we have to give them that, hey, what you're stepping into, this leadership you're stepping into, it's not a thing of power. It's not a thing that gives you prestige. If you've got that in your mind, you need to just leave now because there's not enough humility in your heart to actually step into this position. You just need to go yeah. uh, because there, you need to check your heart and you need to do some sin and some searching out and, and you know confess some sin first. Uh, but if you're really going to step into this place of leadership, you have to understand this. You're going you're gonna to be a servant and, and you're going to sacrifice and you're going to suffer. And those are the things. That's the picture. That's the more accurate picture uh, that we need to paint for our leaders as we, as we grow them and make them and create leaders inside of our ministries. There's just a couple of things that, I mean, Jesus, like looking at Jesus' life again, I don't think you can talk about it enough when we're when thinking about um, how to truly be a servant. It's like, um, of course, Jesus has an ability to do something that uh, we don't have the ability to, and it's that he knows everyone that he talked to on an individual level before he even met them. Like he knew their needs and beyond beyond what they even knew. So like, see, when we go and we're trying to help serve people, we can see maybe some needs that are just uh, like prevalent, like they're they're on the outside. Yeah, but, yeah um, surface level needs. Yeah, That's, but we don't necessarily see like the, the needs they have on the inside. How do we get to know the needs on the inside? We have to get to know them. We have to form a relationship, right? We yeah. have to we have to invest in their lives. We have to sacrifice and serve them. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I'm excited. You got to keep going. No, yeah, <laughs> but like that's something that that's something that's so cool about how Jesus did it is because he knew all these things, mm. but guess what? He still did. He still went and he still talked to these people. He still built relationships with people, specifically people that nobody else was trying that with. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's that a great idea. That's a great thought is that, you know, Jesus knew the hearts and the true, the true meaning and motives and, and hearts of every single one of his disciples, but he still chose to walk with them through life. And he still chose to spend time with them. And, you know, he, he had his three that he would walk away with and, and invest in even more. Uh, and that was, he was, he was, he was serving them. He was teaching them and all this stuff. He knew their hearts better than they knew their hearts and still yeah. chose to do that. And so that's, we have a lot more work to do because we have to get to know every inch of somebody's hearts yeah. uh, and everything that they're vulnerable enough to allow us to know mm-hmm. in order to uh, know their internal suffering and their, their things that are going on on the inside. Um, uh, no, and and that it. takes sacrifice. It takes serving somebody. It takes giving them time. Yeah. I was just saying that's, that's the key to it too. Like that's the other thing. Um, the other 
thing I was going to add earlier is like, I mean, you, you don't know how, like you can't just assume or not assume you don't, you're not going to know exactly how people are going to act and how they're going to react to whatever you're trying to do. Uh, not everyone's going to be receptive immediately. Um, it's awesome when they are. Um, but also you have to know that, I mean, some people just like, they are more closed off. They're not going to be as receptive, especially in the initial, uh, start of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it takes time to get to know someone, to build that relationship with them, to get them to eventually maybe open up. Maybe they don't ever. And sometimes that's just kind of what you got to live with. Like, it's not, that's not on you. You didn't, um, you didn't drop the ball on that one. Like that's just, that's just how it's going to be. But like you're, you're doing the work that Christ has put you on earth to do. And that's to serve people and it's to lead them to Christ by, by being an outward expression of, of that service. Like, to do what Christ did when he came. Not like we're going to be able to do it anywhere close to the way he did it. Yeah, but, yeah, but our, our love should show, our service should show a love that looks different than the rest of the world, right? Yeah. Our, our love should, our, our service should show the world people, uh, a person, a, a, an attitude, uh, a love that looks totally different than the rest of the world. That's how we point them to directly to Jesus. Right? Yeah, and and I, I 100%, 100% like, believe that what I want to add is I have heard of, uh, not just heard of, uh, there's people I've talked to There's and experiences that I've had, you know, I think about Matthew, I think about my wife, Christina, who have had experiences with people who have been the prayer warriors, the, the people in, in spiritual warfare um, who are, who are very intentional, maybe more intentional about their prayer life than others. Uh, it, it can come in different ways, you know, spiritual gifts, things like that. But there are ways, I believe, that the Holy Spirit can speak to us to give us insight into other people's lives. That I mean, there, I, I've, I've, I've heard Matthew talk about going to that Quiet Waters conference, mm-hmm. and it's just like, you know, the, <laughs> the old man, the old man term, they read my mail, you know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. they, they spoke directly to me about things in my life that there's no way they could know those things were going on. Um, there, there are those instances where the Holy Spirit can, can, can speak through us like that. But going back, 100% believe that, especially when those things aren't happening, um, we should be interested in getting to know that person. Every Every ministry uh, I say ministry opportunity like like it's not a person I think that's I th- honestly I think that's kind of where we sometimes get it wrong because we kind of separate the ministry opportunity and the person you know and we, we've got to look at people as people we have to care about them more than just saying well I got somebody else saved mm-hmm. you know I think that was kind of a thing for, for a while especially back in the 90s when I was younger it was like get as many people saved as you can but then there was no discipleship yeah. we have to care about the discipleship we have to genuinely care about that person enough to dig into their lives when the Holy Spirit isn't you know tapping in saying hey this is exactly what's going on. Um, we have to dig into their lives and show them, hey, I care because Jesus cares. 
a sinner's prayer is the beginning of our salvation, right? Right. Uh, same as like getting someone saved, like telling somebody the gospel and they're giving their life to, to Jesus is just the beginning of their walk with Christ. Uh, but there's a long journey after that that needs to... It's like for us to treat somebody like, oh, I got them saved, now I'm done with them. It's like us saying, I gave my, I asked Jesus to save me, now I'm done. Like that's the end of yeah. you know no there's a whole walk ahead right there's a yeah. there's a there's a, a whole entire journey. journey of sanctification ahead of you um, and just like with somebody when you share the gospel with them and they they give their life to Jesus there's a whole journey of sanctification that they begin to walk on too that you need to disciple and help them through and so that is that is part of our service as well yeah yeah and I mean Jesus in all of his power and wisdom chose twelve men yeah right he didn't he didn't choose twenty four hundred thousand you know what all these congregations you know can look like i think we have to be so intentional about choosing a few yeah you know i mean you can you can look at that number specifically and say okay i want to choose 12 you know and start trying to work up to 12 because once it gets beyond a certain amount you you i mean, you just can't know that much about too many that. people. You exactly. can't manage that. We are, like, we're human. We're, we have limits, and we've talked about that already. Yeah. It, it, we talked about it a little bit last week with Matthew. We talked about it several weeks ago when we talked about limits with Bobby. I believe he was the one that was with yeah. We all have limits, and so we have to understand, even with how many people we can truly disciple and truly pour into and truly know and have intimacy with and have an intimate relationship and, and really dive into their life and, and disciple them for Christ. Like we have to understand that there's a limit to that, how many yeah. people we can actually do that with and do it well. Right. It's, it's exactly quality over quantity uh, w- w- yes. in this. Um, yes. And so, yeah, I, I love how Jesus approached discipleship and everything. And uh, a professor, when I was in class with him, he, it was Dr. Terry Cross, uh, who's the Dean of the school of theology and ministry and it, we make fun of the acronym because it's Sodom. So yeah, the acronym nice. spells out Sodom. Oh, so it's just super funny and ironic, but they just changed the name. And so Dr. Cross was asked during class, which wasn't in any kind of a way, uh, like aggressive way or anything. It was a, it was just a question on how he would approach discipleship. So it was a theology class. So we're just talking about theology. Uh, and he tied in a lot of practical church ministry in that because he had pastored a lot. And so the question he was asked was, how do you approach discipleship in growing people after they accept Jesus? And he said, imagine if you only chose three people to mentor every couple of years. You chose three people. And then when they got spiritually matured, they, you know, ended up getting three people. But let's just say that you mentored three people a year and then they mentor three people a year. So he has the number. So you have nine, you have nine. So three people mentors three people. Then you have nine people into that. Okay, imagine if they mentored three people, 27 times three, 81. So there's this exponential like growth of how many people you can bring along with you on this like faith journey on getting to know Jesus and walk with Jesus. And that's just over a lifetime right there. Like just one person just stems all of that. So imagine if every couple like years when your mentee or whoever you're training up becomes to be a spiritual leader, then you move on to somebody else. You just keep adding people as you like go along with your faith walk. And then you end up getting all of these hundreds and thousands. You can impact the world by just starting with three 
people and focusing in on discipling, uh, discipling three people. It's super cool. It's a snowball effect. Mm. It's almost like that's what God had in mind whenever yeah, he exactly. said go. Whoa. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so good. And, uh, and then the next thing, Paul David Tripp, he, he asked this question. He says, what is the mo- motivational joy in the heart of a true servant? Um, and he talks about this. He's like, joy is not power. It's not about control. It's not about acclaim or anything like that. It, what what gives a servant joy in being a servant is service. Um, and, and so when, when we are true servants, um, what brings us true joy is serving people. Uh, I, I know that that is something that absolutely brings me joy. Like I need to serve people. Like I, I've got, it's in my, it's in my bones. Like it's in my DNA to serve people. Um, and, and so I actually have a hard time allowing people to serve me because I want to serve people so, so much. And so, which is something that you have to deal with. It's something you have to learn how to, how to control. But, um, but yeah, uh, uh, what brings a servant true joy is in fact, the act of service. I actually have a story. Um, I, at, at knowing, exactly to interject it, but I think now is a great time to talk about it. And it, this happened, it wasn't, it was a week from, um, yesterday, which will be Sunday. Um, I, I was just going to lunch after uh, service got out and, um, Panda Express, obviously, cause Panda Express is great. Um, I go, <laughs> I go over there and I'm waiting in line and this, uh, this mother and her son walk up to me um, uh, when like I'm in my car in the drive through and she starts talking to me, telling me a little bit about her situation and, um, um, uh, basically asking for, for just food for her kid. And, um, I mean, whenever things like this happen, when you're ever out, like, I mean, there are certain things that you have to be, um, weary about. Um, but something that, I just felt like the spirit was talking to me about, especially after something that she said was like, I don't, I don't want any money. Um, I just want some food for my kid. And I was like, I kind of felt the spirit like really touching my heart. Like, no, this is legit. Like this is a legit need. And so I was able to, um, get food for her and, um, I got food for her and for her kid and extra that they might need, got some water for them and just was able to, you know, expend some time. Uh, I went and brought it out to them and just, uh, spent some time praying with them and talking with them, uh, share Jesus with them a little bit, which he seemed receptive, but like that, that kind of thing, like, I'm not, I don't say that to be like, Oh, look at me. I'm Sam. I'm like the best Christian you ever see. Like, wow, look at me. I'm like that. Who is to say that could not be me in her same position. Um, obviously like she's from a different country. Uh, she was telling me about like, she didn't have that much longer to be here. Um, all the circumstances that like, I know that I couldn't necessarily help her with like that, but I know what I could do. I know what I could provide, provide for her, what I could help her with. And like, I'm thinking like, what if that was me? Like, and I needed that too. Like, that's just, it was such a humbling experience. And like, honestly, like if I could bless her a little bit, like the Lord really blessed me by bringing them into my life to be able to do that. Like, and then that something that I, I was talking to somebody about it and they're like, that, that kind of service becomes addicting kind of after that. And I was like, it just made me want to go out and do it again and again and again, it's just because like, um, I know like, not that I'm like super, super wealthy or anything. I'm really not. I mean, college student. So, um, but like I, I'm 
more well off than a lot of people are, I feel like. And I'm really blessed in, in that way. So why not go do that kind of thing? And I'm kind of getting off onto a little bit of a tangent here on all the different things, but like, it, it just like, I can't help but share it because it was so, such a cool experience. Like it, it like made my heart so happy. Like I couldn't think about anything else for the rest of the day. I was just like, this was the coolest experience. Awesome. Me and my friend were having a conversation the other uh, day and we were talking about just like some personal, like this is, you know, he was telling me like really what he wanted to do and, and everything. And I was just giving him a little bit of advice for whatever my advice is worth. And we ended up talking about getting into the conversation of service and how there's philanthropy that's just missing in the world. Like just the, just the want just the, the 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 urge to feel like you need to like help somebody or like actually helping people, serving people because of our microwave society and how isolated we've become. It just feels so awkward to like have someone approach you in a store or in a mm -hmm. parking lot. It just feels really uneasy. It feels really uncomfortable. Like I've seen memes, but it's so true of like, when you pull up to the stoplight and the light turns red and there's a homeless person like on the corner and you're just like staring like with your hands on the steering wheel, just like straight forward, like totally like blocking them out. But it's so convicting. It's so convicting for me personally. Um, granted you use discernment in those situations. There are people who beg for a living and, and everything, but there's, you could tell on someone's face. Yeah, you, I think could, you could tell. Yeah, for sure. You just have to listen to the spirit, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. that that's where like, I mean, I've, 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 I've been guilty of, of, of overthinking it, you know, and it's like whether I gave the person money or not, I, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but it's just, I mean, just, just listen to the spirit because it's not, if they're going to go and buy booze or whatever it is, they're going to go, go yeah. and buy it. But it's like, if the Lord's telling you to do it, yeah, there, there's, there's going to be a purpose. So again, just... I remember I was walk, I was I was driving and then I pulled into the CVS on Ocoee and 25th that big intersection with the Walgreens across the street. So I pulled into the CVS and I went into the CVS to buy this guy food and water and right when I was walking into the store some of my friends from campus choir pulled up and just immediately just started like praying for him. I was like, "Dang, they beat me to it." But it was like super cool that like I mean, just, they were my friends and like part of the same, same group, but, uh, they just prayed for him and I ended up buying him, uh, food and, uh, from the CVS and the inside. And it was like super cool. Um, just randomly, just our friend group just showed up and started praying for this guy. And yeah, more, more of that service. Like it's, it, it's so hard to, to think about sometimes doing that. Like, when maybe you're having a rough day, you're like, you're going around doing something like, um, something just happened. You're thinking about something and somebody comes up asking you for, uh, money comes up asking you for something. And like the, the last thing you want to do, you're like, dang, why do they have to come up and talk to me? You know? But like, what, what if that's just God's way of showing you like, Hey, I have a purpose for you still. Like there, there's still something that I need you to do. Even whenever you're like, Oh, look at you, poor you. You're having yeah. a little bit of a rough day. Like it's, it's going to, you're going to have rough days. You're living on the world right now or on the world <laughs> I think, in the world. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a way of God exposing idolatry inside of our lives mm -hmm. and the, the idol being self. Right. And so he talks about this in the next part of this 
the next few uh, paragraphs of this book uh, about how, like, why is it that service all of, all of a sudden becomes um, difficult for us to do or it becomes a a burden or a hassle for us to serve somebody or to be there for somebody. And, and the reason is, is because of sin. All right. Uh, sin is, it's in our DNA and, and, and the sin that he specifically talks about is selfishness. And, and he talks about, uh, idolatry and idolatry of self, uh, putting yourself and, and your own needs and your own desires and your, your own pleasures and, and your own comforts and all that stuff in front of, uh, of the needs of others. And, and so that's what he talks about. And, and this is what he says in, in the top of page 130, middle of the paragraph, he says, so as long as there are artifacts of sin still resident in our hearts, we will be vulnerable to the temptation to make life about us, what we want, what we think we need, and, and what makes us content and comfortable. And, and so my default idol, he says this like in the next uh, next sentence, he says, my default idol is the idol of self. And, and so that is why, uh, when, when we're, when we're given opportunities to serve somebody, when we're, when, uh, when we are in a life of service and leadership at a church or something like that, uh, sometimes you, you, you do have these thoughts that creep into your mind and you're like, oh, it's such a hassle. It's such a burden for me to serve. It's such, and, and you start to have these selfish thoughts. And that's, that's simply because of our natural state as sinners, our natural being, of, of being born into this world as sinners. It's in our DNA. It's natural for us to begin to think that way. And, and that's, again, why we have to protect our hearts. We have to uh, to, to turn our hearts over to God and, and beg him to make us more like him every day and just chisel that away. And so moments like that could be moments, that, moments like you were describing, Sam, could be moments where God is trying to expose that idolatry inside of you. He's trying to expose that sin inside of you, that selfishness inside of you. Like how did, you know, um, you know, I've given you this opportunity. I've given you this person, and this is your reaction. Shame on you. Shame on us. You know, here, and then all of a sudden you're convicted, and that, that's the Holy Spirit working inside of you. That's God working inside of us to to show us the selfishness that that may um, may be in our hearts, the sin that still is is lingering inside of our hearts, and the and things that we need to deal with. Uh, I know that there are certain students that you you'll have in student ministry, the students that we have in ministry at times, where you just want to like like really get a hold of them and they, they test your patience. And, and sometimes there's some of them that you want to avoid instead of, you know, mm. and, and that's, that's shame on us forever thinking I'm going to try to avoid the student because I just can't handle their emotion and, and, and their ways tonight. Like I can't handle it. Shame on us for forever. Cause that, what that is, is just selfishness inside of our hearts. That is like, uh, that has penetrated our heart and taken a, a residence in our heart. And, and it's, it's just like, it's making it uh, inconvenient for me to have to deal with this person tonight. It's a hassle for me to deal with this person tonight, this person's attitude, this person's thoughts, this person's, um, you know, what they're dealing with. I don't want to deal with that tonight. I'm tired. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's selfishness on our part. And, and it roots from the sinfulness of selfishness inside of our hearts that we have to deal with. That leads really well into the next part, or not the next part, just one of my favorite points from the book is uh, leader. Your savior has rec rescued you from you is rescuing you from you and will continue to rescue you from you until that rescue is no longer needed. It's like, it's, it's disheartening to, to hear when we talk about like service, how selfish we can be uh, to resist that and how much that like that, that struggle 
or how much of a struggle there really is there. Um, but it is very encouraging to hear that like uh, that Jesus is, is rescuing us or has, it starts out with has rescued you from you. So like in the past he's done this and is rescuing you from you. He's doing it right now. And then uh, the next part, he will never stop doing it until it's not needed. And when is it not needed? It, not while we're here on the earth. So it's like, it's just encouraging that like, even, even through all this, like even through all the selfish things that we can do to avoid uh, being a servant for Christ, he's still there uh, working on you, working with you, using the word re- rescuing you from that, like taking you away from that sin that is still um, just, just dwelling in your heart and um, really being there for you as you go forward and where you are right now and where you will be. He's got a plan for that. And I think that's, I don't know, that's just, that's one of the most, in, not enlightening, but encouraging things that um, I've heard, especially when dealing with this. Cause like, like, yeah, there, there are some days like I talked about there, like things are going on. He was like, mm, don't really want somebody to come up and ask me for money. Like, but uh, like shame on us for that. Shame on us for thinking that, right? Like, who, who are we to um, want to avoid people like that? Like, what have we done to uh, allow us to be able to avoid people like that? Like Jesus didn't do that in his ministry ever. He didn't just avoid people because he didn't want to talk to him. He didn't avoid people because he's like, oh, I just can't deal with uh, whatever they've got going on today. Not only did he not avoid them, he sought them out. Yeah. He did the exact yeah. opposite. And, and you know, Jesus had a pretty big burden on his heart, like uh, the sins of the world. Uh, it's on his shoulders and so you know he he had a lot of weight on his shoulders uh sins that he did not commit at all that in in his perfect life but he wore uh voluntarily so that he could pay the price for us uh like that was the burden that he carried on his shoulders that's what he had to look forward to but he still throughout all that he still sought out people because he knew that's what it was all about it's all about people it's all about sharing the gospel with people it's all about uh, viewing people as being made by God and for God. Uh, and, and so when we put that title over everybody, it kind of go, uh, there, uh, there's a, a battle when it comes to service. There's a, there's a huge battle that's going on between service and self-idolatry. Uh, and, and so selfishness, uh, sometimes it wins the day. Um but we cannot allow it to win the battle. It cannot win every day, every moment inside of our inside of our hearts because we are called to serve people. We are called to go and serve people, to be there for people, to share the love of Christ with them, to share the gospel, um, and to do whatever we've got to do uh, to do to, to to achieve that to share the gospel with people. Uh, sometimes you're going to have to invest for months and years to to share the gospel and to see it take place in somebody's life for them to get saved. And, and you got to be willing to do that. Uh, you got to be willing to serve them in that capacity. Yeah, I love what he says here about uh, it taking grace to free us from the power uh, from the powerful inertia of sin's individualism. So I looked up the word inertia because heard it in science class, and I was like. Well, I kind of know what it means, but let me just make sure I have it right. And so when you hit a golf ball and it goes, you know, pretty far, it's like the inertia that's carrying the golf ball through, you know, space and through, uh, you know, the air, but it's that air that is causing friction to push back against the ball to stop the ball. And then it falls on the ground and it's that friction. It's that again, it's the spirit in his, the way the Holy Spirit works. Hopefully if you're inviting him into your life and it's that grace that is going to set you free from the ongoing, you know, forward motion of, uh, 
you know, sin in your life and how it just doesn't stop. Like the attacks aren't going to stop, you know, the attacks aren't going to stop. And if we, you know, stop it right there, I just really like that word inertia. That just really resonated with me. And it just, and so hopefully through grace, it could set us free from us thinking only about ourselves. Uh, so the next thing we, we see is a, a servant struggle. What he does, he, he gives us a, a subtitle. He says a servant struggle, a case study. And so he, he's going he's gonna to cover two stories in scripture. Uh, the first one is, is this, um, and all, all this is doing, uh, this case study, what it does is it shows us the battle between self-idolatry and service. And so what it's going to do is it's going to show us where people were put in a situation to serve people well. And Jesus was teaching them service and teaching them what their hearts should be chasing after. And their selfish hearts were consumed with other things. All right. Uh, and so he's going to give us two examples in scripture. The first one is this, is the, when, the story of the disciples arguing who, the be, who was the best on the way to Capernaum. So here they are, they're traveling to Capernaum. They're on the way and they're all arguing over who's the best. All right, who's the best? I'm the best. We the best. Uh, no, nobody said that. It was all me, 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 I, I. Um, and, and then Jesus stops them and he's like, guys, look, I'm going to die. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he. this was probably the most straightforward Jesus was about his death to this point with the disciples. He he, he was as straightforward as he could be with them about his death. And, and you know, you would expect that when, when Jesus said this, that the disciples would have stopped and would have, would have, would have pinpointed, would have uh, kind of stopped on that, on that note and like really gave it some attention. You would think, right? Uh, if, if I was in this room and all of a sudden I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to, no, okay. We're not going to do that. Uh, but you would expect that at this moment that they would stop and, and they would stop thinking about themselves and they would be like, Hey, Jesus just said he was going to die. Uh, did anybody hear that? Did anybody like catch that point? Like we need to talk about this for a second. Like, why are you going to do this? Uh, but their selfishness was still hung up on who's the best. Like who's who's gonna who's gonna win this battle? Who's gonna win this battle of the of the disciples? Who's gonna be on top of the of the rock at the end of the night? Uh, and, and so we see an example of of their selfishness, and they they completely missed what Jesus was trying to teach them in this moment. Uh, completely missed this story. Completely missed this moment. Uh, and, and so we see again that selfishness can can uh, can can take away moments in our lives, moments that Jesus had for us, opportunities that Jesus maybe created for us to, and we can completely miss it because of our selfish hearts. It's like God, God is going to use somebody to accomplish his will. Um, and wouldn't you rather it be you? Um, that, that seems kind of selfish the way I just said that. Uh, but like, it's such a blessing whenever you choose to let God use you uh, to really help somebody else. Like it's such it's such a blessing. Like that feeling is such a good feeling. Um, and the, the more, the more I'm saying stuff like that, the more it kind of like sounds selfish the way I'm putting it. Um, uh, but like when, when you really take yourself out of it and think it's not about you, mm-hmm. it's about, um, uh, it's about showing the glory of God and doing the work that he is called you to do, getting used by him, to do this work. And it's just, um, it, when you focus on that instead, then, um, I feel like even in the situations like where it's tough where it's tougher, um, you'll see the blessing in it instead of the, Oh, look what I have to do now. Yeah. Cause that's exactly what the disciples did in this moment was they, they took instead of, you know, 
talking about Jesus and talking about what, you know, why in the world are you going to die? Like, let's learn, let's, you know, figure this thing out instead of, uh, of mourning the suffering and the death of Jesus, instead of thinking about that, what are they doing? They're talking about how great they are. They're talking about their glory. They're exalting themselves. They're lifting themselves up high, uh, trying to decide who's going to be the best. And, and so they're missing out on an opportunity to, to worship Jesus and to mourn him and to, to be there with him and for him and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's a sad thing. Uh, but, but the reason why examples like this is in scripture is to show us, I love what Paul David Tripp says here uh, on, in the middle of page 132, I'm going to read it. Uh, but the reason things like this is in scripture, stories like this is, is so that we can be reminded that we are just like these guys. All right. And so this is what he says. He says, but the, remi- the Bible reminds us that these things have been remi- recorded and retained for us because we are just like these people. We are not yet fully free of the inertia. There's your word, Justin. Uh, the inertia that, that lived in the hearts of disciples and that propelled their argument uh, with one another. And so we are not free of the same, the same friction that these guys are, 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 are experiencing the same thing that is going on inside of these guys' hearts. The, the same, uh, feeling of greatness, wanting greatness, wanting power, wanting control, wanting to be the best. All right. Uh, the same selfishness that was going on inside of their hearts still exists inside of our hearts. And so we have to, uh, look at these stories, not as like just fun little stories that we tell our kids and to, to, talk to them about Jesus, but this is what's going on inside of our hearts. And, and, and so it's a heart check. It's a, it's a, it's a mirror for us to look into and say, I don't want to be like that uh, because Jesus has called me to be like this. And he's called me to be a servant. He's called me to be selfless. He's called me to suffer. He's called me to, you know, whatever I need to do in order to advance the gospel. And so uh, I want my heart to be more like Jesus and not uh, arguing about who's the best and arguing about uh, what's the best and, and how good I am. Well, yeah, and you know, like like Sam was talking about, I think it, it it's a it's a point of perspective, you know, because it can sound selfish when you're looking at it from the perspective of, well, I feel good, but when you understand that this is in in essence being more like Jesus, this is drawing near to the Spirit that yeah that's 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 going to feel good right when 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 you're actually doing what you're called to do it's going to feel feel good it's going to feel right mm-hmm. instead of going against the grain and, and and choosing well you know I'm not going to listen to you lord because um, cuz I know better right mm-hmm. um, so it just it's it's all the perspective that you look at it you know is it is it because I'm idolizing self and, and man, you know, look what I did, man, mm-hmm. I did this. No, 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 sorry. It's, it's, it's not necessarily you. It's God working through you. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm accomplishing God's will right now. And when you, when you, when you put it under that lens, then, then it's not, it's not selfish. It's just purpose. Mm-hmm. And when we do start looking at, our, at ourselves as being great and, and accomplishing things on our own, then we stop serving people because it's no longer. Uh, I'm not. I'm no longer looking at life through the lens of service and grace and and, and hoping to uh, win people over to God. Now I'm looking at at the life through the lens of what is going to benefit me the most. And so I stop serving people altogether because I, now I'm living this life to benefit me, not benefit God, not benefit. I'm building my kingdom now. And, and so I love what he says. Leaders who do not serve aren't actually leaders, period. Uh, how about that? If you, if you think you're a leader and you 
check your life and there's not a, a, a path behind you where you have served people and mm-hmm. loved people, uh, then you're not a leader. Uh, you, you are, you are, you're grasping onto a trophy. You're grasping onto a podium, and you're you're proclaiming a lot of things, but you are not actually leading people uh, because you're not serving people like Jesus did. Uh, and, and he goes on to say, um, "True leaders don't think about ministry they have been called to lead, and those they have been called to lead belonging to them. A true leader knows that people are not the objects of his power and control, but the focus of his sacrifice and service. And so that's what I'm saying is like we we get to the point where we're no longer are serving people uh, because we're we're not looking through the life as a lens through the lens of grace and God and building His kingdom. We start grasping onto things and we lose the we we start grasping onto things and seeing ourselves as too great. And then all of a sudden we're not serving people for for God's purpose. We're serving people for our purpose and to build our kingdom. And that's just we're losing it. We're we're losing the the. Um, the purpose um, that is behind the position that we're in, the, the position that God has placed us in and, and the people that God has put in our life to serve and to love and to push and point back to him. It's dangerous. We look to find fulfillment in ourselves because of that. And then we are surprised when we, when we get tired of it, we get surprised. And we're like, ah, this, this isn't worth it anymore. And then, like you said, you just, you know, stop serving people yeah. because you don't have because you're serving people for you, not serving people for God. Mm. Her whole life and mm. thought that could have been a cool. I think I should call her. <laughs> just, <laughs> no. just talk to her, just ask her, you know, where's she... Take that feeling of yeah. like knowing you've messed up, you missed something. Mm. You missed something that the Lord.
recognize his voice. Yeah. And it's like such a terrifying to even just Absolutely. Uh, Joel, you said it was dangerous. Well, guess what? The very next thing he says is this. He says, every ministry leader carries the identity of servant, and any leader who begins to think of himself in a different way is in spiritual danger and has abandoned the true character of his calling. Yeah, you're dangerous. Mm. Uh, you're dangerous to to the people around you, the people that you've called to, been called to minister to, the ministry yep. that you're leading, but also it's, danger, it's spiritually dangerous for you, your soul. Uh, to be in that in that place, because uh, think about think about the the what happens to a person's soul when they become selfish and they become uh, all about self. They they completely cut off, uh, you know, what Justin was talking about when the spirit is calling you and telling you to talk to somebody. They completely cut that off because if it doesn't benefit them, then they're not going to do it, right? And so selfishness can cut the, cut off the spirit, cut off the intimacy with the spirit, cut off listening to the spirit. Um, because if it doesn't benefit you and your kingdom, then you're not going to 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 go for it. Uh, and, and so you have to remind yourself of uh, you have to remind yourself of the true character of your calling, who you're actually living for, who you've been made by, uh, who's given you that calling, who's given you those passions, who's given you that ability to lead, who's given you that ability to <clears throat> uh, those spiritual gifts, who who has written these things over your these things over your life. Yeah, that. I think about this verse a lot, especially, you know, in relation to this, but I'll read the verse first, Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name and do miracles in your name? And then I will announce to them, I never knew you depart from me. You lawbreakers is what this version says. But how many people are, are I'll, I'll say we uh, as leaders, how many people are we setting up for that moment because of our, our lack of faithful, faithfulness, because of our, our, our self-idolatry? Something I think about uh, is I was just talking to you last week about this YouTuber Famous YouTuber. He's probably, I think, yeah, no, he's the biggest YouTuber on YouTube. He's got the most views on his channel. He's got channels. He's got like six to eight channels. One, I'm not going to mention the YouTuber's name for, you know, legal reasons, but uh, he's got like his main channel that he does his main, like, you know, creative content. And then he's got a gaming channel. He's got a philanthropy channel, but he supports the philanthropy channel by all the revenue and profits from the other channels. And so, and, and in those other channels, like his main video, he just reinvests like the sponsorship money. Basically he's just giving money to people. He's giving things away. He's doing contests for opportunities to like impact people's lives. And then he has a restaurant that actually they have a location in Chattanooga that would make the burgers and then like ship them to you or deliver them to you. And he uses the, all of that to give to charity and he gives people free food. He does these food drives across the country on Christmas and Thanksgiving where he gives out all of these turkeys and all these like Thanksgiving meals. And there's like thousands of cars lined up to like pick up food and stuff. And I was just wondering how amazing would it be if he got saved and he, you know, if, if, he, if the Holy Spirit got a hold of him, like how much of an impact would he make to the kingdom 
because he has all the resources and he has everything he needs. He's a great leader. You can see that in his videos, but he's just missing that piece of the puzzle that we need to impact the world. Mm. And that's Jesus. And I just like my heart goes out for people even who, who are doing really great things, but aren't doing it in the name of Jesus. But then that even super convicting for me because then we do so much in like ministry in the name of Jesus, but it's just like, we could be doing much more. Does that make sense? Yeah, you wanna know how I look at that? How? God doesn't need us to do it. He yeah, will, he that's, will that's work, good. He will work through the unbeliever mm. to accomplish goals, mm. to accomplish things that we aren't doing. That's motivating. As believers. That should be motivating. It's motivating to me. I mean, everything is under God's control and power, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's good. Uh, the next story that, that we're given in, inside of this uh, a servant struggle case study. So we're, again, we're, we're talking about the, the struggle between service and self-idolatry and selfishness. And the next story he talks about is the story of John, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Uh, I love that. Uh, <laughs> I love their nickname. I get that um, reference. Oh, yeah. Uh, the story of James and John asking Jesus if they could sit on either side of him in glory, right? And, and so they pretty much walk up to him and they're like, hey, God, this is what we want, all right? Uh, you know, we would like to sit on either side of you. Uh, if you can use your incredible power and make this thing happen, you know, that would be great. And kind of what uh, Paul David Tripp says, what it, what it boils down to, what they're kind of asking is like, hey, could you could you make this stuff easier on us? And, and so how this how this translates into our time is like, hey, God, can you make ministry a little easier on me? Uh, can you give me what I want? Can you just make it a little easier? Because, you know, uh, uh, what he says is this, there, there are times when I am tempted to wish that ministry was more a throne than a cross. And so he's he's wishing that it was a cushioned chair instead of that hard wooden uh, stiff pew that we used to sit on in churches, mm. right? Yeah, y'all remember those? Mm. Uh, maybe not. Uh, but they, they don't haven't always been cushioned chairs in churches. And, yeah. And, but um, yeah. but that that's uh, that's what he's talking about here. Is like these guys are uh, the you see the selfishness in this story and 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 the selfishness that we are tempted with too is that like hey God can you. Uh, protect us and can you uh you know can you make this easy on me like can you can, please like just give me some relief relief inside of ministry and let this be easy for just a moment uh, and so we lose the idea of what uh what's what service really is what 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 ministry really is which is us serving which is what jesus did on the cross he served the world he gave his life so that we could all uh, and he wore our sins so that we all could be saved right and so uh we we have the same we should have the same mentality. Our service should look the same. We, our service is sacrificial. It's loving. It's, it, it, and sometimes we're going to suffer because of it. And that's uh, our selfish hearts don't always want that. Instead, sometimes we want a nice throne to sit upon. We want control. We want power. We want something that's soft and easy for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the next thing he says here is that we can really relate to. You ready for this, guys? He says, there are times when I am tired of sacrifice and suffering. 
And I wish that God would use a little of his power to make it a little less uncomfortable. Uh, Sometimes I don't want to serve. I want to be served, not just by the people around me, but also by the one who has called me. Uh, In this way, I'm very thankful for the way this passage exposes me. And I trust you uh, will be thankful as well. That's what he says is that how this passage is, uh, it exposes thoughts like that, where where we all at times are, are probably just like that. Like I would like to suffer a little less and God, can you make this a little bit comfortable? Um, and it's, it kind of goes to the, the question of like, you know, why does, why does God allow hard things to, uh, to happen to good people or, or people that are, and, and the thing is, is that like, you know, I ask God for love. And I ask God to teach me love. Well, guess what? What does he do? He gives me people that I need to learn how to love. Uh, difficult people that I, I have to work to love them well, right? I ask God to give me courage. What does he do? He puts me through difficult situations where I have to be strong and courageous and rely on him. Uh, I ask God for wisdom. Well, he puts situations in my life that I have to figure out some things and I have to I have to work through things and lean on him, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's not that God's abandoning us, abandoning us. It's not that God's trying to make it hard on us. He's trying to destroy us or anything like that. It, it, our good is in his mind. Our good is is what he's going for. He, you know, and so, um, yeah, our selfishness sometimes is like, man, make this a little more comfortable for me. But God's like, no, I'm going to make you stronger. I'm going to make you more courageous. I'm going to use you for greater things than just this comfort that you desire. And so it's going to get a little uncomfortable. It's going to get a little hot, but you're going to stay in the kitchen. No, <laughs> you're going to stay in the kitchen. No, I'm like, just kidding. Uh, no, but you're going to, you're going to keep going uh, because I'm, I'm with you always, right? And that's a nice promise that comes along with that is that I'm still with you in a way I feel like God is intending servanthood to like be like intentionally seeking discomfort, you know, to seeking like God, get me out of my comfort zone even more so I could do more of your work. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Yeah. You know, you were talking about the uh, microwave society. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. We, we want to pray for it and we want God to just snap his fingers and it's like, oh yeah, oh, well, I have more courage now. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love. Oh, I all of a sudden love all of this sudden, person. I, lo- I love oh, people yeah. more. All of a sudden, but nah. but I mean, I mean, you look at scripture. That's just that's not how it works. That is that's that's not how it works at all. He he still loves us. He still wants the best for us. Uh, but you want me to back that up? I mean, Jesus went into the wilderness for forty days to seek what God wanted to do. Like what was his like purpose? Like, or like he went into the wilderness to ask God or to just seek like, you know, to be launched into his ministry. That's why he, you know, that's what really launched him into his ministry is, is this journey of 40 days with fasting in the wilderness with temptation. And God showed him, this is your calling this. And so that's, and then after that, he was never comfortable again. <laughs> I mean, if you really like look look into the the three years of his ministry, he was always he was teaching and everything, but he, all the challenges that even his disciples went through. Uh, so these passages are are quite. Uh, this is what uh, Paul David Tripp says at the bottom of page one thirty four. Says these passages are quite an indictment against entitled, demanding, controlling power and position focused ministry leaders uh and absolutely it's an eye-opener it's a it's a heart check moment where we get to put ourselves in a mirror 
and look at ourselves and say, do I look like these guys? And, am I asking God for comfort where I just need to be asking God for for more of him and just resting in him and, and, and asking him for more opportunities to serve people? Uh, am I asking God to, to make things easier when, when it's just fine because I'm in a situation that he's put me in and I'm going to rest in him and I'm going to continue to follow him and my faith is being built and my life with him is getting stronger and stronger, stuff like that. Uh, and it's also a mirror for our entire leadership that it's also like, are we creating leaders that are like this, that are entitled, that are demanding, that are controlling and power position hungry and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it also, it also puts in check our, our, um, our leader building abilities. Like, are we creating leaders that are like this? And, and so it puts the whole thing in check. Like, let's check ourselves. Let's make sure we're not creating leaders like this. Let's make sure that we are not leaders that are like this. Um, and so it just, it makes us really, really ponder and really observe and look at ourselves for a little while. For sure. All right. The next, uh, the next subtitle that he gives us is this. He says, to lead is to serve. To serve is being willing to suffer. All right. To lead is to serve. That's what we've been talking about this whole time. To lead is to serve. Uh, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to be, you're called to leaders to serve. Uh, if you are, are, and that's the picture that we hope that you get uh, from this episode is that if you're, if you want to be in a leadership position, if you want to be a leader, you are called to serve and you're going to serve. Uh, it's not a, it's not a place of power. It's not a place of comfort. It's not a place of control. Uh, that's not what it's about. It's about serving people. Uh, it's about people, right? Uh, we've talked about that before on this podcast. And, and the next thing, the next step in that, the next layer to that is to serve is being willing to suffer. Uh, and the first thing he says is there is simply no such thing as a call to ministry leadership that isn't also a call to a life of servanthood. And there's no such thing as a call to servanthood that isn't also a call to suffer. All right, and so again, he he pretty much, pretty much uh, rewords reset. It gives the longer version of of the subtitle. Uh, but there's no point in ser- in uh, in le- ministry leadership that is not servanthood, and there's no point in servanthood that we're not called to suffer. And so we ha- we have to understand is that. When you when you serve people, when you love people, sometimes people are going to hurt you. Uh, when you when you put yourself in situations to love people and to serve people, sometimes those situations are going to be difficult and hard, uh, and so you're going to suffer. Uh, and sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice in order to serve people. You're going to have to sacrifice your time, maybe some money, stuff like that. And so there is suffering throughout servanthood. It's like also another. Uh, I was going to say cool thing, but I mean it is it is cool, but also like. Uh, it's hard at the same time. It's like whenever your people are suffering, like you're suffering along with them too. Like it, it, you're really showing your love for people. You're you're trying to help people out as much as you can. And so when you see like true people, like when people are really suffering with something, like like your heart suffers for them too. Your heart breaks for them too. Like it's it's not just something like whenever your heart is truly in that service, like like you will see some things that just man it just it's heartbreaking like it's it's hard to see people going through a lot of things that are that are just really really hard and and the true true way to really serve them is to like really put yourself in their position to know like to feel like how they're feeling right now you can't do it exactly of course but like you're there walking alongside them you know and it's like a lot of people just need some encouragement and now they're just you know they're just not alone in that suffering, but, uh, it, it just kind of helps you put 
like you get the right mindset like like there this is real like they're really going through some stuff uh how how can i how can i help them in that like it's not it's not enough just to also like be suffering too because then what what good is that going to do like you're not doing anything to help right but it's it's leading them to a person that that can do real good leading them to the one person that no matter what they're going through is going to be able to uh help them out of that mm-hmm. and that is the person of jesus christ and that's that's very important to know. It's like going back to the story I told earlier. Like, uh, there's a lot of stuff like with them having to uh, the lady and her son maybe not being allowed to stay in the country for like having to leave uh, for different for whatever reason, um, whatever that might have been. Um, I know in my personal opinion, or not opinion in my personal like. What I can do, I I don't have the ability to help them with that. Like I I don't have that power. I don't have that anything. I don't know how. I don't even know how to begin to help them with that. But what I do know is how to lead them to the one person that, even if bad things happen, he's still going to be with them no matter what. And that's that's what was in my head through that. It was like lead them to Jesus because Jesus is the one uh, that's going to be able to help them through all of this. So. Mm-hmm. He pauses for a moment in his in his conversation, and he gives what what he says is he says before I talk about the nature of my concern, I want to make a pastoral observation. And honestly, when I read that the first time, guys, I said, "Oh man, here we go!" Yep. And that's exactly what happens, uh, dude. He he does not hold any punches right here in this next like it's almost a whole page uh, of his pastoral observation. Uh, but he he does not hold any punches, guys. Uh, I mean, he said this is the first thing he says. He says God is sovereign. And he writes your story. And because he does, he's in control of where you have been positioned in ministry and all the things that you were tasked with there. And, and, and we lose focus of that and we get selfish and then we, we get upset about our, our schedule and we get upset about how busy we are. We get upset about the things that we have to do, the things we have to accomplish. We get upset sometimes about the people that we have to minister to and the situations that they're in and how difficult they are to reach for God. Guys, I've been there. Like there are some people that are super hard and just super cut off and like uninterested in God and you're just like begging for their souls and you're fighting for them and you're just like trying to get their attention and they just, they're not doing it. And so we get upset about the situation, the people in their hearts and the, the conditions of their hearts that we are trying to minister to. And we whine about these things and we complain about these things. And then this is what Paul David Tripp says. This isn't holding back at all. He says, all horizontal complaints have a vertical component. Yeah. Dude, come on. Just uh, he says, even though I may not be aware of it, my complaints about the bad service at a restaurant is not a, just a complaint about my particip- particular server, but also about the manager. Uh, moving on. What he says next, uh, my favorite part, he says, grumbling about horizontal difficulty is at once a complaint against the one who lords over those difficulties. So what he's pretty much saying is, like when you complain about the things that horizontally are going on inside of your life, like the things that you are looking eye to eye to, uh, your schedule, your tasks, the people that you're, like the things that are going on inside of ministry, you are complaining about the one that lords over it all. You're complaining about God. Uh, And he says, a life of quiet or not so quiet complaint hammers away at your confidence in the wisdom, goodness, and faithfulness of God. This is the this is what happens when you constantly complain about what is going on inside of your life. What does it do? It it, it hammers away at your confidence in God and his goodness and his character and his abilities and the things that he's given you uh, and your trust in him. It, it, it just slowly chisels away at it. Well, you're it sitting here and you think- out of balance. Yeah, also. you think you're sitting here just complaining about 
about things. Yeah. But honestly, what you're talking your heart and your mind into is to not trust God all of a sudden, not mm. trust his goodness, not trust his faithfulness, not trust his wisdom and in in his plan inside of your life. And that is a dangerous place to be in, guys. That is a, a dangerous place. And, and then he goes on to say, he says, it is simply hard to willingly and joyfully serve the master you don't trust in the way you once did, no matter what your formal theology tells you about his wisdom, goodness, and faithfulness. And, and so once you, you start to talk your heart into believing that, all of a sudden you believe it. Mm. You believe the things that you're complaining about, that it is not good, and, and, and where is God? And you start questioning him, and all of a sudden... You've got a heart that is settled in some theology, and there's nothing in your past that can bring it back And besides confession and just completely handing your life over to God. Like, And so you talk your heart into believing that, um, that, that God is maybe not as good as you thought he was at one point, or maybe he's not as faithful, or maybe he's not as wise, and your ways are better than his, and, and you're stronger than he is. And you, like, like you start talking your heart into some dangerous thinking. And you get your place, your 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 mind and your heart in a place that is is very hard uh, to want to serve. You're not serving well. You're not serving correctly. You're, it's very hard to worship in the in a place like that. And and so uh, service is out the door when your heart gets to a place like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I love I love how he prefaces it. Um, and says, of course, it's wise to know our limits, to construct a reasonable schedule, and to know when it's godly to mm-hmm. say no. There are godly times to say no. So, I mean, you know, harken back to, the, you know, the chapter on limits, there are healthy limits. But, I mean, he's, he's uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad he rec- he does that because you can push too far no. um, on, 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 on the other end of it. So you have to have that, 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 healthy balance to where ministry is not idolatry to where these things become idolatry, but to where your service is, is holy. Yeah. Everything that you do in the horizontal, like in regards to relationships and to serving also has, like you were saying, has a, well, yeah, an inside an inward heart and vertical, you know, like it, it just, all it does is illuminate like what's happening on a vertical level in your personal life. And something that I gathered um, from an acronym that, uh, I don't know why I'm like all caught up in like these professors that like Mm. I had, but one of them said like something that he follows as a a model for service is the acronym is model, M-O-D-E-L. So you've got motivation, things that you must do, then things you need to do will lead you to do what you want to do. So just getting those things done will lead you to, okay, so then there's one. So observation, uh, two most powerful words are, I'm sorry. Uh, and the three most powerful words are, I love you. And then you've got demonstrate. And then you're, you're demonstrating to your people, to those under you or those that you're raising up, you show them you know, the person that they need to be in Christ. Um, so living your life out as an example and then educate. In order to educate, you need to evalu- evaluate and equip, evaluate where they are and then equip them in relationship to where they are. And I feel like once you get this like vertical thing down and like, praying over what you're going to say before you have your next meeting with your team or your next rehearsal and then lead, care about the people. That's how you lead. You lead by caring about people. And it's been said since the first episode, even with Pastor Phil, Pastor Phil's biggest like point in that whole episode was ministry is about people loving and caring for people. 
And I love how Paul David Tripp talks about this vertical and horizontal, like this access of access, not access, but access of service and yeah. love and how to relate to one another. And I, yeah. So yeah, does that think, make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think what it gets down to when he says that their horizontal complaints have a vertical component is that your horizontal complaints, your complaints about this world and your complaints to this world is not falling on deaf ears. It, you're mm. talking your heart. You're transforming your heart into believing yeah. that. And because of that, your heart has a big thing, a big part to play inside of your faith and your intimacy with God and, and your prayer life and how you're living out your faith and how you're worshiping. And so that's the, it, it begins to, uh, and so when your complaints begin to talk your heart into believing different things uh, about God, like different things, especially talking about his goodness, his faithfulness, his wisdom. When you start believing different things because your complaints are changing the way your heart thinks about those things and thinking about God, uh, then it starts to change that trajectory. It starts to change, uh, you know, uh, it could cut off that vertical, uh, that vertical flow altogether. Mm. Like all of a sudden the intimacy is not there and, and the relationship, you're just like, you're checking out. Uh, yeah. And that's, that, like, like I said, it's a dangerous place to be. And I think with leaders, um, when leaders get to a place like that, it's because at the very beginning, somebody painted a really bad picture for them uh, <laughs> of leadership. Uh, like leadership is great. Leadership is fine and dandy and, and full of feathers and, and rainbows and goodness and chocolate fountains and all this. Like That's not what leadership is. Leadership is war. We talked about it last week. Leadership is war. It's battle. It's, you're, you're suiting up with armor every day and you have no peacetime mentality. You're ready to fight. And, and so that's the mentality we have to have in order to, to, to you know, limit our, vertical, our, our horizontal complaints and not allow our horizontal complaints to actually transform our hearts. Instead, we take those concerns to God because that's what he tells us to do, right? He says, boldly approach his throne, lay these things on him, throw these things, cast your cares on him. You know, all these things that he tells us to do uh, so that we are our vertical, uh, the vertical component doesn't change, that we're still uh, proclaiming his goodness and proclaiming his faithfulness and, and glorifying and praising his, his wisdom and, and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, look at how Jesus would retreat to pray. I mean, we don't know 100% of what he retreated to pray, but I mean, I think I think you could imagine, you know, part of it, he's he's realigning his 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 heart with the Father's will, his his human component, you know, probably wanted to give up, you know, there was there was at one point when he was saying, you know, Father, if you'll if you'll if you'll just let this cut pass from me, uh, but not my will, yours be done, but I could only imagine similar similar things. Like, yeah. you know, you know, Lord, I I mean, I really don't want to deal with this. Like there's, there's that human side of me that, that, that's pulling me to the other side that, that, that I'm wanting to complain, but Lord, just realign me with your will, mm. realign me with, with the goal, realign me with your heart. I think you're right. I, I think we've been talking about that on Wednesday nights, whenever it comes to intimacy, like the first way that you regain intimacy with God and, and, and retain intimacy with God is through confession, mm. right? I mean, when there is unconfessed sin in our lives, Intimacy is cut off. Uh, that's just the bottom line. And so the only way back to God, the only way back to intimacy with God on a regular basis is that we spend time in confession. And so I, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's good. 
Uh, and so I think that that two things that that mess up leaders and, and get them into this this position of mind, this position of heart, where we are grumbling and we're we're and this is the concern he gets to is that one. I, I think, like I said, I've said it a couple of times. We paint a bad picture of leadership for people, and so they have bad expectations of leadership. And the second thing is is that we give them a bad definition of the church. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we give them yeah. a bad definition of the church, and, and this is this is what Paul David Tripp defines. He says the church is it's a chosen gathering of unfinished people still grappling with the selfishness of sin and the seduction of temptation, living in a fallen world, fallen world where there is deception and dysfunction all around. There's nothing comfortable or easy in this plan. The church is intended to be messy and chaotic because the mess is intended to yank us out of our self-sufficiency and self-obsession to become people who really do love God and our neighbors. And so what does he say? He says uh, the church is, is going to be messy. It's a bunch of messed up people and they're living in a messed up world. And so we can't expect this to be clean. We can't expect this to be easy. Uh, but it's because of that that makes us rely on God more. It's because of that messiness that that we realize that we cannot do this on our own and of our own strength, of our own will, of our own wisdom, of our own abilities. It's because of that messiness that we rely on God more. It's because of that messiness that we see that we need God more. Uh, and, and it's it's that's the purpose of the church. That's what the church is. And so we cannot go into this with a bad picture of leadership, thinking that leadership is going to be cozy and fun uh, because it's not always cozy and fun. And we cannot go into this with a bad picture of the church, thinking the church is a bunch of saints that don't need help. No, the church is a, is a building full of people that is, is, um, messed up and living in a messed up world and trying to realize, trying to figure out how to nav navigate this world and live for God, uh, and we've got to be there to help them, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he even goes on to say, goes on to just simplify what he says. God puts broken people next to broken people, including leaders, mm -hmm. not so they would be comfortable with one another, but so they would function as agents of transformation in the lives of one another. So good. It is. I love. I love what how he describes the church in this. Yeah. Uh, because it simplifies. It also makes it super powerful. Yeah. It, it also opens your eyes to how much we desperately need Jesus as a leader in every function that we do. We desperately need Jesus to save us first of all, and, and we need Jesus to continue to walk with us through this thing, so we can know how to do it and do it well. Uh, otherwise, we just cannot do this on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own minds. Um, I love it. Yeah. And we do it together. Yeah, that's another yeah. thing. Yeah, I remember my father pulling aside um, a member uh, one Wednesday after Bible study and um, kind of getting on to them for something they had said to another uh, member in the church. And my dad said, "This is supposed to be a hospital for the hurting," and um doctors and nurses in a hospital aren't supposed to kill their patients. They're supposed to help them and save them. And I, that, I, that's just one thing that really stuck out to me about my dad's time at that uh, church is there's people in our ministries. I mean, and even leaders in, in not our ministries, but in our, as a big C church, like the, and there's leaders and members in the church who don't understand that, that, and it all comes back to selfishness on why they don't hurt or they don't want to, it's just, it's crazy to think that there are members who 
and leaders, especially leaders, because it starts with the top down that don't understand that we are supposed to be a hospital for the hurting and the wounded, not making their wounds worse. Yeah, there's a, I'm struggling to, to find the author, but the, the the similar quote is, yeah, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. that same thing going yeah, it, on. For, it's been yeah. passed on and flipped and changed every little bit. Boy, uh, but the it's, museum for saints, dang, I never heard yeah. that one. That's yeah. deep. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it paints a it, mm. it paints a powerful picture. You know, I mean, I, I <sighs> who knows when it started, right? I'm sure you could trace it back. But I I I read a book. Somebody in the millennial millennial generation just noticing this. You know, that the the maybe around the 90s, um, the church did this thing where they kind of closed off to the world, and they said, you know, well, we want to protect people from the world. You know, protect people from the sin in the world. And it was one of the worst things that that the church could ever do. And I mean, you kind of saw, you know, with statistics, you know, the decline in numbers and you saw all these things that we're kind of talking about where, um, where Christians are, are looked at as, um, you know, difficult people, you know, because of the whole, the, the idea of the museum for the saints, yeah. because people, uh, you know, these people started to see themselves as, as, as better than, than people of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that, that flip, you know, where, where, um, not only do we have just that hurdle of, of, of sin and, uh, selfishness to overcome, but it's, it's become almost even worse because Christians have given themselves, they've given their, you know, like talk about the manager, the Lords, they've mm-hmm. given Jesus uh, almost a bad name. Um, although a lot of people actually look at Jesus and say, wait, 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 Y'all don't look anything like him. Mm-hmm. It's like what, what, what's, what's? Why would I want to? Why would I want to join you guys in in worship or anything else? Because y'all look nothing like Jesus. Um, but all, all, all the more reason that we have to even reconcile that name. You know, we have we have the the um, the the call right to to be transformational. You know, like. Um, like we were just talking about, uh, but also to just to provide reconciliation just by actually being the the people of God. Well, once you start becoming legalistic with being set apart, yeah, and I'm doing air quotes for those of you guys listening. Holy, set apart, holy, holy actually means set apart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so once you start becoming legalistic with being set apart in, in the sense uh, in regards to like you know, oh, you can't be part of our church because you still haven't reached this certain level of what looks like this certain level of spirituality. You haven't reached this level of, um, oh, you're still doing this. You're still doing this. You're still doing this. And I think the church has, like you were saying in the eighties and the nineties, we've started just to back off and protect ourselves from the things of this world and everything that just really, yeah, you're set apart. You're in isolation now. That just isolates us, and that's and that's, and once not, the, you that's start, not the holiness that we're no, called to. That's no, not the set apart that we're called not. to. It's nope. it's not. Let's close the doors, lock the doors, and protect ourselves. It's uh, let's go out and let the world see the difference. Exactly, uh, because the difference is Christ, mm-hmm. and that's that's a testimony for Him and His kingdom. Uh, and so all this points back to a, an attitude, a mentality um, uh, of relationships that that is just wrong. 
Um, and, and so, and that's what we're fighting against. It, it's a selfishness, right? It's it's selfishness. It's self idolatry versus service. And so that's the argument that he's been having this entire time. Yep. And so, uh, and so what do, what he does next is he gives us a page and a half of scripture again. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, gives us a page and a half of scripture of of just um, it kind of it's scripture that you can kind of put on the other side of the mirror and just kind of look at yourself and say, am I am I living this mentality, this attitude? Am I thinking this way about relationships and, and service? And so uh, that's kind of what it is. It's the mentality, the attitudes, the relationships, and the ministry functionality of, of leaders. Um, and, and that's kind of what this scripture is about. And so we're going to post that scripture again. So if you're listening and you do not follow us, or, or like us on Facebook and Instagram and stuff, I, I encourage you to do that uh, so that you can see that post later this week. Um, and, and we'll post that and allow you to see those scriptures. Uh, but at the end of it, it says this. It says, there is no doubt about it. Servanthood is the thematic biblical description of every follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, so that's, that's uh, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, uh, one of the things you're going to have to live up to is the fact that you're going to have to be a servant. Uh, you, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to suffer. Things are going to happen, it's, and it's okay. You get to you get to rejoice in that uh, because it makes you more like Jesus. It makes you look more like Jesus, uh, and, and you're living for Jesus, and you're glorifying Jesus, and you're and you're you're pointing people to Jesus. Like that's that's all things that you can praise and, and be happy about and have joy in, right? On page one forty one, it's like that whole top paragraph. Or actually, no, it starts right back on, on 140, and I'm not going to read the entire paragraph, but this whole paragraph is a... I should? Yeah, you should. Okay. So I've got the whole All thing right. underlined. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, starting on 140 and even going into halfway down uh, 141, uh, this whole paragraph says, but there is... Yes, I'm going to read a whole paragraph, so just brace yourself. Um, but there is something else beautiful and cur- encouraging to consider. The call to a life of joyful servanthood, or I'm sorry, servitude, and willing suffering is itself a grace. In calling me to deny myself, God is freeing me from my bondage to me. Self-focus never leads to happiness, to never produce contentment, and it never results in a satisfied heart. I'm gonna stop right there. So happiness is one of, it's like the worst thing to pursue in life. I think it's very empty. There's nothing in happiness. You're just pursuing this just emotion. I think happiness is an emotion, not a state of being. Joy is a state of being. And joy is a gift of the spirit. And joy is something that God gives us. God doesn't give us happiness. So I'm gonna move on. Um, The more a leader has himself in focus, the more he thinks about how ministry inconveniences him and the less he will experience true joy and lasting contentment. The call to servanthood is the to, is the tool. I'm gonna to cut that out. The call to servanthood is the tool that your Lord uses to free you from your discouraging and debilitating bondage to you. So I'm gonna skip ahead just a little bit. The pathway to freedom is servanthood. The pathway to greatness is slavery and the pathway to deep and lasting joy, joy that people and circumstance cannot take away is denying yourself. And that's how you get joy is through serving people. That's how God gives you joy is by following his Holy Spirit, serving those who are under servitude. Sir, yeah, servitude. The pathway to freedom is servitude. The greatness is in the pathway to greatness is slavery. I love that. I love that. 
And uh, he even, it, Paul David Tripp even, you know, sums up what Jesus says in one of the previous passages that we read in one of those case studies that, that Jesus basically says the pathway to greatness is being a servant. Love that. Yeah, I mean, the great part of that is it's the exact opposite of what our world would say. Mm. Uh, it's the exact opposite of what we would naturally believe uh, would lead to joy. Uh, if you back that up, if you take that and go backwards, think about this, guys, for just a second. Uh, you would, if you go backwards in this, you would think that, you know, I'm going to think about myself and that's going to bring me joy. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be a slave to anybody and that's going to, uh, you know, make me great. Uh, I'm not going to serve anybody. I'm going to be selfish and that's going to give me freedom. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, you well, take it back. I mean, if you want to be happy, that's exactly the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean but <laughs> the, our world teaches us this. It says, you know, think about yourself, be you, you be the best you, you do you. Um, and, and for you to be great, you're going to have to step on some people. You're going to have to climb over some people. You're going to have to hurt some people. Um, but you're, you're, you're doing it for you. So go for it. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, that's, that's kind of what our world says, but this is, this is more biblical. And when it says the pathway to freedom is servanthood, the pathway to greatness is slavery, not, not slavery to just anybody, but instead, uh, freely giving your life over to Jesus and his ways and the pathway to deep and lasting joy, joy that people in circumstance cannot take away is denying yourself, mm. completely turning yourself away and just, like taking up the cross of Christ and walking with him, right? Yeah. Well, there's 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 kind of a difference and it depends on like who you look and definitions and stuff. Um, but if you if you understand like joy, joy is internal. Mm. Happiness is external. Yeah. So it's not that we shouldn't have happiness, honestly. Yeah, no. And in joy You shouldn't be pursuing happiness is joy what I'm saying. should produce happiness, you know, that it's an, it's an emotion. Happiness is 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 an emotion. Um, joy is more like a, like a state of being, right? Um, and right. It, joy an internal. Is a connection with God. I mean, it is. It yeah. is. It is. Um, but joy is an internal. Happiness is external. Mm-hmm. Happiness is the emotion. Yeah, what I'm saying is, I think it's very like immature to just want to always pursue happiness. Yeah, and not joy. Is that that's well, pretty you, much where I'm getting at? But if you yeah, think about yeah. it, you said that you said that servanthood is the pathway to joy. Well, that that means that. What are we doing? If we're serving people, we're doing what God has called us to. And when we align our ways with God's ways, of course, we're going to experience joy, right? Now, when we're doing the things God has called us to, when we're handing our life over to him, when we're making ourselves uh, his vessels and stuff like that, when we are doing what he's called us to do, we're going to experience joy because we're reconnecting, we're, we're living, we're, we're staying connected, we're, we're living in this intimacy with God, and that's going to produce joy. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, even before he starts that paragraph, he, 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 he says a phrase that kind of hits my heart. So I cry out for the help of my Savior, and I want to be surrounded by leaders who are crying out as well. There are few things, I say few things, maybe there's some worse, but there are, uh, there are few things worse than being partnered up with other leaders who don't have the same goal. When you are trying to to serve others and you're trying to put your all into fulfilling God's will and, and his commandment ultimately that he's given us in the Bible to, to serve others. And then you have somebody else kind of pulling in another direction, you know, wanting to build their kingdom. It can create a lot of tension. It can create difficulty in ministry as leaders. So, you know, this is a leadership podcast. So, 
it's very important that we as leaders kind of get on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a lot of what we're talking about with this book is, is you know, we're hoping that this discussion will lead others to get on the same page of healthy biblical leadership. So that, that, that phrase is kind of just like, man, like how important is it that, that we pull on the same end of the rope, as, as Phil says a lot, you know, that our goal is to serve others, that ministry is people, ministry isn't idolatry, self-idolatry, whatever you, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, um, that, that through that goal, you know, kind of like I was talking about earlier, whenever the, uh, whenever the Lord is, is, is going to tell those people, sorry, (laughs) you know, I didn't know you. I mean, you, you were doing, you say you were doing all these great things in my name, but I mean, you were just building your own kingdom there. I mean, you were, you were using my name. You were, you were using all the, all these different things, but I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like you, you, you weren't doing this for me. So you got to go. I mean, that's going to be a sad day. And, 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 and how important it is for us not to get caught up in, 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 in all the self idolatry that he's talking about in this chapter and to get focused on being servants, to get focused together as leaders on the same mission, doing what God has called us to do in servanthood. That's a really cool thing. Well, the cool thing is that, you know, we have, we're all different, right? We all like different things. Uh, Some of us have less things in common with others than others. Yeah. And so uh, that's great that we all should be different. That's why God didn't make clones of each other, but yeah. our one common goal has to be yeah. like the most important goal that we have to have in common. The only goal we have to have in common is building his kingdom and his kingdom only yeah. and so walking in leader and walking in, uh, in confidence that your leadership style, whatever that is, is also supported by the word yeah, and walking in, in faith and yeah. with Jesus and whatever he's telling you to yeah. walk into. Yeah. And that's, that's the battle of this chapter is, is the, the battle between selfishness and service. Right. And that, that's the, the new identity that he's trying to write inside of a leader's heart is that, that you do look at yourself and you look at your leadership and you look at how you lead people. And, and if there's not a path uh, of service behind you, of people that you serve, people that you've loved, people that you have have discipled. If there's not that path behind, it would you'd have to question: Am I really a leader? And so that's the that's the identity he's trying to to leave with us, uh, leave with us. And and so what he says, uh, kind of bringing this to a close on one, page one forty two, he says that the new identity and potential that are are ours in Christ tell us we can do better, not because we are able but because the one who is with us, for us, and in us is able. And so the, that if that doesn't rip out self altogether, uh, just like keeping yourself in that kind of heart uh, and that kind of mindset uh, of just knowing that I can do better, but it's not because of me. Uh, it's because of the God that is in me and for me and with me. Like that, that's the reason I can do better. And, and so that's the mindset we have to take in order to, to win this battle, to fight this battle between self and surface, selfishness and service. Uh, we have to have this mindset of, I can always do better. I can always do more. I can always uh, serve people well, but I can only do it because of the God that is with me, for me, and 
in me. So he kind of brings this chapter to a close by saying this. This is important. Why? Because at the heart of every hope that the gospel offers us now and in the future is a serving, uh, a suffering servant. Uh, and and the, the example is Jesus, right? Um, and so he says, without his willingness to humble and deny himself, without his willingness to become a servant, without his willingness to suffer even to death, there would be no forgiveness. There would be no church. There would be no leaders raised up to carry on the gospel mission. There, there would be no message to carry. Suffering servanthood is at the very heart of the redemptive story and the gospel message. And, and so Jesus was our first example uh, of a servant, our, our first example of a person living uh, perfectly for God and the example that we're supposed to follow. And, and so if you're going to be a leader, uh, you have to understand this. You have to understand that, that being a leader is not, not always comfortable and it's not always perfect and it's not always easy. Uh, and the church is full of messy people, and sometimes they're in messy situations and messy circumstances. Uh, but we also have to understand that we can do better because we have a God that is in us, for us, and with us, and uh, and a God that set an example of the servant that we are supposed to be, an example that we need to strive for as leaders, an example that we need to chase after as leaders, an example that we need to, to work together to form and create inside of our leadership. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Please help us spread the word, follow the podcast, share it with people that you believe could use this. Give us some feedback, ask questions, join the conversations. Uh, you can email us at podcast at gracepoint.church. We would love to hear from you. We might even mention some of your questions or comments on the next show. That would be incredible, wouldn't it, guys? Mm -hmm. yes. uh -huh. So you should be the first one. You should. Uh, you should, absolutely. Uh, for Sam Connor, Justin Mucka, Joel Scoggins, I'm Eric Powers. See you next time. We hope you've enjoyed the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Make sure to follow the show and share it with leaders in your life. Pick up a copy of Lead by Paul David Tripp and join the conversation. We'd love to hear your feedback, answer your questions, and have conversations about Jesus with you. You can contact us by email at podcast at gracepoint.church. Thank you for listening.